Hello, everybody. Welcome to Q Talk Radio, the housing justice radio show. I am Elena Pop, Executive Director of the Eviction Defense Network, and our guest today is Francisco Duenas of Property Owners for Fair and Affordable Housing. Welcome to the show, Francisco. Thank you, Elena. Thank you for having me. So Francisco and I have known each other since we were both very, very young. We met in 1999. We were both tenants at the time, working on tenants' rights issues. Tell us about your work in the 90s. Well... At that time, I was a community organizer um, and not just focused on tenants' rights, but residents, community residents, um, helping them organize in low to moderate income communities. And at that time, you were organizing tenants already. You were doing classes for tenants about their rights at our community organization. And, and so that's how we met. And that organization was the Alliance of Californians for Community Empowerment. And we are still doing uh, organizations at the same site. Uh, I mean, workshops. Every Thursday night, if you have a problem with your landlord, come to El Mercado La Paloma uh, and come to the Tenants' Rights Workshop to get the exact address. Send an email to info at edn.la. Now you're working with Property Owners for Fair and Affordable Housing. Tell me about that organization. Yeah, this is a brand new or volunteer-based organization, and we are um, a collective of folks, progressive folks that are property owners. And, you know, we are, well, speaking personally for myself, I feel very, and I know how difficult it is, and I just feel like, you know, the rents are too high. <laughs> I, I wouldn't be able to pay the rents if I wasn't a property owner, right? And so... Um, we're a group that's trying to organize and make sure that there is a progressive voice for property owners. Um, currently, there, the, the organizations and associations that exist are, do not really take also our responsibilities, I would say, as property owners into account with respect to the market and, and ethical and what, what is affordable, right? What kind of responsibilities do we have as property owners to keep our housing affordable. Um, so that's that's what we're trying to do, provide that voice and then organize ourselves to be able to project that voice into this conversation. So I want to take this opportunity to out myself as a property owner. Everybody knows me as a debt, but several years ago I did purchase a home and uh, that home has two rent-controlled units in the back. And part of what I want to talk about today is uh, the efforts to repeal Costa-Hawkins. But before we get there, uh, Francisco, why is housing and housing rights a queer issue? Why do you, as a queer man, if that's how you identify, uh, involved in housing rights issues? Well, I do identify as a queer man, and I think that for me, I, I see that the LGBT community is particularly vulnerable to housing displacements, right? I mean, we already face discrimination in general from society, communities, or our families. And so at times, you know, um, different parts of our community might be kicked out of their homes and not have a place to go. They might be elderly. They might lose a job. All these different things that make people vulnerable to displacement and to losing their homes, I think LGBT people face that at even higher levels. 
And we do know that, for example, LGBT youth, they are, more of them are part of the homeless youth community than they should be. Like, we are overrepresented there. Um, so whether it's LGBT youth, whether it's seniors, whether it's trans people that are facing discrimination, all the different things that make us already, you know, um, all, all the different obstacles that we face as an LGBT community, I think then are, you know, heightened or, um, you know, make us even more vulnerable for not having a home, you know. So that's definitely one reason. Um, and then I just think as in terms of community, you know, as LGBT people, I think we really need community. And you can't have stable communities if people cannot count on having a home. Um, and so, you know, we have community centers, we have meetup groups, chat groups, support groups. If people are just struggling to be able to build, you know, have a place, they can't then extend themselves beyond that to build community with others. And so I also think that's another reason why for the queer community, we really need to be active in this fight. Yeah. I actually recently had the honor and I can't say pleasure because it was one of the most stressful cases I've ever handled, but the honor of representing a trans man whose legal name is still Doris. Mm -hmm. And uh, Doris, now TJ, wanted to um, to be uh, identified as he during the trial. And so not only were we facing a situation where we were defending a case for, uh, based on non-payment of rent, and the reason TJ had not been able to pay the rent was that discrimination in the workplace had caused several job shifts. And so we're having to explain to a jury that Doris is he, that Doris is actually TJ, and all of the added burden of or or pressure on that case of having to do that. It was both a, a very stressful and a very proud moment for me, but a very telling moment in the trial was during jury selection. You know, you ask jurors whether they are going to be biased, and you ask them a bias about bias based on race and bias against tenants and bias, 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 bias. And people are very good at saying that they are not going to be biased because being biased is not valued in in like sort of L.A. normal, right? When I started to talk about the trans thing, I when I said um, Doris wants to be identified as he, Doris is a trans man, the entire jury shifted in their seats, like physically. this movement physically shifted in their seats. Mm -hmm. I proceeded to query each one of them about the shifting, and each one of them denied that they would be biased in any way. Um, we ultimately won the case, but it was definitely a moment where I thought, gee, there is still, you know, frankly, being gay is very last year. We are really, like, very accepted in many ways, and um, and things have shifted for um, for gay people. Um, the struggle right now is in protecting our trans brothers and sisters. And as a, someone married to a trans man, I have become particularly sensitive to the dangers that my spouse faces in the world. Um, so tell me a little bit then about what 
Costa Hawkins is. I know you're working on the efforts to repeal Costa Hawkins. What is Costa Hawkins? Well, I can tell you, Elena, that a lot of people have never heard of this California law for to begin with. So a lot of people, this is going to be something new to them. And, uh, you know, a lot of times we're struggling to pay our rent. We're not always thinking about what are the laws that put us into this situation. You know, that thinking, hey, there's other bigger, you know, um, you know, frameworks here at work. Um, but this is a law that um, basically limits what type of rent control local cities can pass. Um, and so for those that are, you know, might not be familiar with the phrase rent control, that is a type of regulation um, with respect to how much, how, what kind of an increase a property owner can make on a property. Um, and so right now there are three types of um, sort of conditions that this law um, forces cities to provide, you know, abide by. Um, so, for example, the first one is that buildings that are created, that were constructed after 1995, cities cannot pass rent control that includes the apartments that are in those buildings, right? Um, and so, if you're living in a, in a newer building, then even if you organize with your other tenants, this law makes it impossible for you all to get rent control, right? For your, all, your city council to pass rent control for that building. The other condition is that rent control cannot include single-family residences. So not everybody lives in an apartment. Some people rent homes, you know, whether it's they have roommates or whether it's they, they're in a, in a family situation. And that's what's called vacancy decontrol. So basically, there's no regulation. There's no way to keep that unit affordable for the community, right? Not, not just for that one particular renter, that, the next renter that's coming, but for the community um, because of this law. And so we're part of an effort to get signatures onto, uh, you know, petition to get a proposition on the ballot for November of this year. And that would proposition would be called the Affordable Housing Act. And um, so hopefully we'll be on the ballot and we will be bringing this proposition to the voters of California. So um, let's talk a little bit about, let me give you an example. If I live in Inglewood, for instance, where there is no rent control, and I've lived in a unit for 30 years, and I'm a perfect tenant, take care of the place, pay the rent on time. Can the landlord give me a notice asking me to move out or force me out just because they want to? I am under the impression that yes, right? I mean, I'm assuming that you don't have a current lease or a contract that protects you or that says otherwise, um, once your lease is up and you're month to month, then you don't have other protections if you don't have rent control. As a housing lawyer, that is the hardest thing for me to get through to someone who has a notice to quit without any reason. It feels so fundamentally unfair to the person that's facing that situation. So indeed, if there is not a lease protecting you, a landlord in a non-rent controlled area can give you a 30-day notice to leave if you've been there less than a year and a 60-day notice if you've been there a year or more. You know, what you're saying about how people don't get this, don't understand, 
it reminds me of, you know, within the LGBT community, a lot of people think that it's against the law to discriminate you um, because of your LGBT in um, housing or in, um, that there's a law that explicitly says that. We do have that in California, but in 39 other states, they do not have those laws. Yet those people think there must be a law, right? Mm -hmm. um, like you said, it just rankles people's sense of justice. Right. And so they don't, it's hard, it's like a cognitive dis dissonance, you know, like what do you mean that that's not against the law? So in most of the state of California, it is not against the law to kick someone out with a 30-day notice if they've been there a year or less, a 60-day notice if they've been there more than a year, even though they're the perfect tenant. And it doesn't matter how long they've been there. It doesn't matter if they're disabled. It doesn't matter if they've got five children or 20 children. It doesn't matter. The landlord has this unfettered right to do that, as long as the motivation is not retaliation or discrimination. And so, and some of these laws that you're talking about, like for that example, that example, um, some communities um, have passed what they call just cause eviction laws, right? Where they, it provides some kind of conditions, limits when a property owner can ask a tenant to move. So 14 cities have passed rent control laws, actual laws that protect the tenant from rent increases that are not tagged to the consumer price index and protect tenants from eviction without cause. And every law is a little different and the landlord's right to develop or do something different with the property itself. But those are called just cause evictions. Now, because of this law cost to Hawkins, some communities that want to provide some protection for their tenants, for instance, the city of Glendale, passed a just cause law. But to get around that law, all the landlord has to do is raise the rent by $1,000 a month. That's not prohibited. The tenant can't pay that and either has to move out or has to, or is uh, forced into a non-payment of rent eviction and then has no protection. Cost to Hawkins, uh, so in addition to that, where there is rent control, such as Los Angeles and West Hollywood and Santa Monica, um, there is vacancy decontrol, which you've mentioned. Um, vacancy decontrol has this effect of creating harassment because landlords who are getting very little rent or rent that is below market um, where there's a three or four hundred dollar difference between what the landlord's getting and what the landlord could get landlords will tend to harass tenants into moving how would costa hawkins change that would it get us rent control suddenly all over the state yeah no absolutely not what if this proposition um, were to get on the ballot and the voters of California were to approve it, all it would do is it would allow the cities, all California cities, to be able to pass whatever kind of rent control they want or whatever kind of just cause eviction um, ordinance they want. So there's still a lot of work to be done. And it's all about, you know, getting together in your local community and figure out what works for you. Um, and your community. But all this would do is it, it would allow, give people and cities more options about what type of rent control and just cause eviction laws they can pass. So basically, this um, act, this Affordable Housing, Housing Act. Act, is a return local control over 
housing and how tenants will be protected to local jurisdictions, meaning local cities. Would you yes, say that's accurate? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so how can uh, homeowners get involved in property owners for fair and affordable and housing. affordable housing. Yeah, absolutely. So we do have obviously our website, uh, propertyownersforfairhousing.org, or they can find us on Facebook as well um, and look us up there. Um, you like we're looking for property owners because I think a lot of people um, think that it's a it's a property owners versus tenants type of fight, and it, it's not. It's it's. It's about building community. It's about coming together and figuring out what works for us locally. Because I can tell you what we have right now, the status quo is not working for anybody except, you know, corporate landlords that really don't care about the community that they are, you know, poaching. My spouse, Rich, and I recently celebrated our 25th anniversary. And we went to the site where we had our first kiss, which is the old uh, Wilshire Grand Hotel. And it is now this super opulent place. And we, I had spent the day on Skid Row looking for a client who was housed on Skid Row, needed to do something that day, and we hadn't been able to reach him. And what I thought as we were having dinner in this super swanky place, just, you know, blocks from where I had spent the, the day looking for my client, is that to some extent we're like the society in the Hunger Games where there is this over-the-top opulence and there's this, and there, there's a barrier. The, the poor are outside of this fabulous city. Uh, here, we, we just have these, you know, these bastions of wealth that are very closely um, surrounded by these really horrible conditions, and I think that we all need to care about that. Um, even the wealthiest of the wealthy, how can you not care about the fact that there is this tent city that is running from the founding place of the city at Olvera Street to the Hall of Justice, block after block of tents, because people have nowhere else to go. And we haven't... Um like we haven't actually talked about the connection with our homeless crisis, right? How all of these dynamics are exacerbating not just uh, people obviously losing their homes and thus becoming homeless, taking up residence on our streets, but are also just moving, separating, right? We're, we're going through all these different crises of separation, right? Whether it's from our homes, whether it's from our families. But Los Angeles has their own rent control law. And unfortunately for us that live in the city of LA, our buildings have to be older than 1975 to be included, if I'm not mistaken. It's like oct they have to be older than October 1978 okay. to be protected. That's, okay. the, that's the operative to data to be included control. in rent control. Indeed. And at Mariachi Plaza, when the mariachis got these huge rent increases, they mobilized and they hung together and they organized a rent strike. And the, res and the goal of the rent strike was to achieve what we call a collective bargaining agreement, meaning it's like a labor contract, a group of tenants that don't have protection from the law saying we are going to use our economic power to get our landlord to the table to give us something that looks like rent control. And after 13 months of a rent strike, they got a five-year contract that looks very much like 
rent control. The Eviction Defense Network was involved in trying to do that in a place called Marmion Royale in Highland Park, where a new owner came in and then suddenly raised the rents, wanted to get $2,700. But in that case, what she did was serve 60-day notices to quit no cause. Mm -hmm. The initial goal of that campaign was also a collective bargaining agreement, but for reasons that are complicated, the tenants ended up settling out and they all moved. Now we're working with Burlington and Exposition. Uh, Burlington is in the Pico Union Westlake area. It's 295 units of non-rent-controlled housing. And those tenants are on rent strike after a landlord served a very large rent increase in buildings that are in such horrible condition that the tenants were justified in doing a rent strike. How would the passage of Costa Hawkins help the tenants at Burlington? Well, like I said, you know, this one... If we were able to repeal Costa Hawkins, when we repeal Costa Hawkins, city councils at the local level will be able to pass rent control for buildings that are, you know, will be able to update their, in, Cal- in Los Angeles, for example, we'll be able to update our law. Um, I mean, think about it, 1978, that's almost 40, you know, 40 plus years, or it is 40 years. And how many ho- homes and buildings haven't been built since then? And to think that none of those people are protected from you know, being, uh, their, their rent being increased at such a high rate all of a sudden. So once again, this would just return power locally so that local city council members would be able to protect the community members. So we'd go back to city council and say, hey, city council, you need to update rent control and protect buildings that were built after 78. So great. That would definitely help these, uh, you know, extremely salt-of-the-earth, wonderful tenants that are being displaced from our fabulous city. I want to give a little plug to our hashtag on every fridge campaign. Um, One of the, while we're waiting to pass these fabulous laws, we need to make sure people stay in place. We need to make sure that Tenants resist all forms of displacement. Displacement comes in the form of a 30-day notice to quit, no cause, because there's no rent control. It can come in the form of a 60-day notice to quit, no cause, because there's no rent control. It can come in the form of a huge rent increase. It can come in the form of a false accusation that you've broken your lease. Uh, All kinds of... uh, of, uh, of reasons that people get evicted. Sometimes it comes in the form of you had a little downturn in your income and your landlord can't cut you a break, and so they take advantage of your misfortune to try to kick you out of your affordable unit. Um, we want to make sure that every tenant knows their rights and their obligations and knows where to get help. And if you want to know more about the hashtag on every fridge campaign, please link on to that hashtag. And what you're talking about, uh, Melena, is just about how important it is for people to know their rights, right? And to have access to them. Um, And so education, information is so important. We were talking about when you don't have these laws that protect everybody, then it's a, it's a matter of do you have a contract that protects you? And when you have education and information, you can get together with the other tenants in your building and fight for something that works for you, right? Um, and all the different things we're talking about, we know that they're part of a 
all it's just one step in the right direction, right? We need protections that keeps people in their homes now. We need more housing, period. We know that, you know? And so repealing Costa Hawkins is one more step in the right direction. In as we're building more of truly affordable housing, we're gonna need to keep people in the houses that they have now. And so that's why all these things need to work together. Exactly. And I would uh, add that knowing your rights is the first step, but actually defending your rights is also essential. So a lot of people know their rights and then decide, oh, let me just move out. And people need to not do that because there's no place to move out to. People need to resist all forms of displacement, minimally talk to a lawyer um, about what your uh, rights are to stay in your housing. The hashtag on every fridge campaign, people ask me, where did that come from? In the 1990s, an organization called the Venice Renters Canvas that was trying to stop gentrification in Venice distributed Know Your Rights information to every tenant door-to-door in Venice. Nine years later, because my home number had been used on that flyer, uh, a elderly woman that had lived in her rent-controlled apartment on the Venice boardwalk since the building was built and was paying a very low rent called me and wanted help. Every agency on the flyer no longer existed. My home number was still the same, and I was able to connect her to a lawyer, and we saved her housing. And when I asked her, how is it that you have this number? Oh, dear, you gave me this flyer nine years ago. And it wasn't actually me, but somebody had given her this flyer. And I put it on my refrigerator because that's where we put all the important stuff we want to be able to find. By contrast, I have had dozens of cases where below market rate tenants who are either connected to me personally, people who know me, or are one degree of separation away from me or someone at the Eviction Defense Network have gone to court alone and lost. 99% of the people that go to court alone lose their housing. And there is no reason for anyone to go to court alone. Please join the hashtag on every fridge campaign and make sure that you and everybody you know knows their rights, their obligations, and where to go for help. For the flyer, email info at EDN for Eviction Defense Network, info at EDN.org, or go on Facebook to the, um, it's a stop gentrification hashtag on every fridge Facebook group. Uh, at this point, we want to encourage everyone to get involved, join Property Owners for Fair and Affordable Housing. Uh, join the campaign to repeal Costa Hawkins by uh, doing hashtag repeal Costa Hawkins and join the hashtag on every fridge campaign. Thank you so much, Francisco Duenas, for being with us yeah. today. And thank you to all of our listeners on Q Talk Radio for joining us. And I just wanted to say, you know, also for all the different queer folk that we have listening, if they would like to get involved. And make sure that there is a queer voice uh, on this on this um, challenge um, to also go through property owners for fair and affordable housing, and they can contact me there um, because we'd love to have more queer LGBT organizations and community leaders taking the stance. And, All right. You know, so whether you're a property owner or someone who is queer and wants to get involved, go ahead and. 
contact Francisco Dueños through Property Owners for Fair and Affordable Housing. Thank you so much to our Q Talk Radio listeners. We will see you again or hear you again next month.